George Kritikos here to talk to you about the Player Raider podcast. Along with co-host Ryan McDowell, we leverage the DLF player valuation tools and help inform you on your dynasty roster strategies. Whether you're joining a new startup, rebuilding a team, or maybe you're just not quite at contention level yet, we help you understand player values and how to really drive your team forward as dynasty owners. Tune in and enjoy the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome to the latest edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am your host this week, Dan Myler. With me again, as we are all weeks, fellas, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Ryan, how week three of the Dynasty season treat you? It was a good one. It was a good one. It was uh, more high scores. I, I can't believe some of these passing offenses we're seeing, some of these receiving numbers. Uh, but, yeah, it's good. I've, I've been having some good weeks. Yeah, I, I have too. And, you know, we're not going to get into all those stats. They're all over Twitter and stuff like that, all the, all the records that are being broken and, you know, the most touchdowns in three weeks, those kind, kinds of things. But it's translating – in a big way to, to fantasy for sure, Matt. How's uh, the look on your face makes me think that you're not cashing in on all these points. Uh, week three was definitely my worst so far. Okay. Uh, but one one takeaway I had is can we stop playing one quarterback leaves? Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger, 350 yards, three touchdowns, and he's quarterback 10. <laughs> I mean, what is what's even the point anymore with one quarterback leaves? Yeah, it's true. That's a that's probably a debate for another day. We are going to start this week with some quarterback news. Everybody reeling a little bit. Uh, Dynasty owners everywhere that had Jimmy G high on their wish list in the off season and and in their starting lineups for the first few weeks of the season. Matt are disappointed, I'm sure, with the news of the torn ACL. I was I was a little shaken up by it as well. I, I was a fan of Jimmy. I, th- I thought he had the potential to be one of the one of the big young names at the position for us this year. A little bit of an up and down start to to the season this year and then of course the injury knocks him out for the year. What's this going to do to his value in dynasty for you, Matt? It's definitely going down. I, I moved him to quarterback 14 this this afternoon. Uh, I mean, I was I was kind of always lower on than, than than most people. I think I think at one point in the ADP we had him up to quarterback five, which which always seemed a little bit nuts to me. But I, I think it's even more of a death knell for the weapons surrounding him. You know, uh, I just I don't know who, who we want at all with with Bethard in there. For Garoppolo, I, I mean, he's going to be fine for next year. He's, he'll be twenty seven, so he's still young for a quarterback. I'm not worried about him in, in terms of that. I'm just worried about that year of production that we're going to get. If it's a one quarterback league, I don't think it's that big a deal. I, I think there was a lot of contenders that were probably starting him as a as a as a quarterback two in in superflex leagues. But, uh, yeah, definitely a big hit to him. I moved, Like I said, I moved him down to 14, just uh, above Mariota. I'm not quite willing to put him below, below him yet. See, I said that I was high on him, that I, I felt like I really liked Jimmy Garoppolo, but I only had him at 9 entering the season anyway. So I, I bumped him down to 12. I did, I did a quick ranking before we started talking 
here on the pod, and and I have him at twelve. So that's not a real far fall for me, Ryan. What what do you think it does for his value? First of all, where do you have him before the injury, and and now where do you think you value Garoppolo? Yeah, I had him at quarterback seven. So basically, uh, for me, I see a pretty clear top tier of six, and he was he was the top guy of that next tier. Uh, I dropped him quite a bit. Uh, I dropped him down to 14. Uh, I think that's the same as Matt uh, with a couple of, I guess, specula- speculative players in front of him. Winston, we're not exactly sure how that's going to play out, obviously, and then uh, still a big Lamar Jackson fan as well. So I've got both of those guys ahead of him. That might be uh, a little different than the norm. But I think he's going to, it's going to hurt his value more than we might see of a typical quarterback with, with a season ending injury. Um, I mean, even last year we saw Rogers, Wentz and Watson all deal with serious injuries and their value basically wasn't affected, even though two of those guys uh, had limited production. Uh, I I think the difference with, Garoppolo is he doesn't really have that production he was a little bit of an unknown heading into this year even after the the hot uh, streak to end the season and Matt like you were saying there were a lot of a lot of doubters a lot of people pegging him as as a player being overvalued overdrafted and then he starts the season with a quarterback 22 game a quarterback 16 game and then ironically his his big game came in the same week that he ended his season so he he finally gave us some numbers uh and we won't get any more numbers the rest of the way yeah it it felt really to me ryan like when we were buying garoppolo in the offseason you were paying for potential you're paying the the high price of potential in his case because of that you know that we didn't see that production with the exception of a couple games in new england and and the end of last season matt did you have something to add I was just going to say it's it's just completely unfortunate because it was a completely avoidable play. You know, he could have just stepped out of bounds and we wouldn't be having this conversation. You know, the the, the skill positions for uh, for the Niners is, has been kind of lackluster all season anyway, but they're certainly going to be worse worse now with, without with him in there. And, and you know, they, they probably weren't going to the playoffs this year, but they were going to be a fun team to watch down the stretch with him playing. And uh, now, now, unfortunately, we're we're done with that. I think the exception when you look at the the rest of that roster, or at least the skill position players and the guys that we focus on for fantasy, might be the tight end George Kittle. There, there was a little bit of a connection between Kittle and Beathard a year ago when he got a little bit of time. I think there's the, still the potential that he could be useful to us. Maybe not have that high upside of the big games, but I think he's still going to catch a few balls and and he's worthy of a roster or a a spot in your lineup, especially considering the injuries at tight end. Dan, what do you think about uh, Pettis as, as a potential, maybe somebody that wins out of this, maybe him and Beathard had a connection, you know, early on in in training camp and things when he was playing with the second team. Yeah, there, I think there's the potential for that for sure. And you know, what I think it does more than anything is, you know, if you're, if you're honest about what the 49ers, uh, forecast for the rest of the season is it's bleak it's not nearly as good as it was a week and a half ago so I think there's a really good chance that at some point and it may not be until late in our fantasy season we get a a bigger better look at some of these young players and Pettis is involved in that he's already playing 
and playing a relatively big role, but we could see him every snap going forward if, if they reel off a couple of losses in a row, and that can be nothing but good things for Dynasty owners. Yeah, Pettis has, has looked good. I haven't looked at the numbers following week three, but I I had looked this up and shared this on Twitter, that just the top rookie fantasy scorers. And, uh, of course, the quarterbacks were at the top, uh, Darnold specifically playing all three games. And Barkley obviously was up there as well. But at, at that point, Pettis was the top scoring rookie wide receiver. I'm sure that's – I'm sure by now that is – uh, Dan, your boy, Calvin Ridley. But after two weeks, Pettis was the top scoring uh, rookie receiver. And, and even in a small sample size, that was a surprise. So he's. Yeah, it, and certainly encouraging for yeah. Pettis owners. Uh, and he looked good doing it. it. It wasn't just putting up numbers or anything, it passed the eye test. He was getting open, he was making nice catches, uh, certainly a good route runner. So it all, you know, the arrow's certainly pointing up for him. I wish he could play with Garoppolo for an entire season so he'd have a really good gauge on how to value Pettis going into next year. Speaking of those rookie quarterbacks, fellas, Josh Rosen has been named the starter for week four for the Cardinals. And we got to see a brief glimpse of him and and some of his upside before he threw that interception at the end of the game in week three. Uh, he got the ball out of his hands quickly. It seemed like he had a good grasp of what the Cardinals were trying to do before the interception. And I know he threw he threw one before that that was called back. But I think it's a really interesting situation, Matt, for, for Rosen. His short term the short term expectations cannot be great considering everything that's going on in Arizona. Uh, I think most see that team as a bottom three team in the league and the dynasty production coming out of there is not good either. What do you think of Rosen's both short-term and long-term upside? And then how do you, how does him taking over under center for the Cardinals affect the rest of the roster for us dynasty owners? I, I kind of have this feeling like he's going to start off playing really well. You know, we saw Baker Mayfield come in close to halftime last last week and uh, kind of energize that offense. You know, all of a sudden, all it seemed like all of the skill position players on that team realized now they don't have the limitations of, of Tyrod being too conservative to throw him the ball, you know. So I think that Rosen's going to take a little bit more chances uh, on the field and, and really just kind of open up things. And, and, and then, you know, once the defenses start catching up to him, get maybe three or four, five games of, of worth of film on him, maybe he slows back down. But I expect for the next few games to him for him to be play pretty well. Uh, and then, of course, long-term, you know, it's very exciting for players like Christian Kirk. Larry Fitzgerald's probably not going to be a benefactor of that, of course, um, other, past this year. But you never know. Um, and, and, and I think he's going to get the ball to David Johnson, too. The, the, the one concern I really have for him is that I – and I don't know if there is any Mike McCoy fans left out there, but I think he is kind of just destroying this offense. Um, there was a couple of plays with David Johnson this this weekend that just just blew my mind. Like a, like a, a third and short late in the game. Just I think it was just after the two minute uh, warning there at the end of the game where the the Cardinals had a chance to really to actually win the game with a field goal. They had Edmonds in there instead, and uh, he got stuffed for th- negative three yards. I'm sorry, I'm off on a tangent now for Rosen, but I think Rosen is good for this offense. And short term he'll be good, long term he'll be good. Maybe not later in the season though. Yeah, I agree, but um, you noted. The, the McCoy thing, their offensive coordinator, and we've, we've already talked about that on here, and, and it's been discussed on on Twitter and on other podcasts as well. But I, I think it was um, 
I believe it was Evan Silva that pointed out, it's not just McCoy on the offense. This entire coaching staff is making questionable decisions, you know, locking uh, locking Peterson into uh, one spot rather than letting him chase uh, receivers. And that's, that's the first time he's done that in his career. And uh, it, it, these are just decisions that don't make any sense. And even if we as – uh, you know, guys on the couch can figure this out. It, it's it's really surprising and and kind of frustrating to see those decisions made when you know it, it's not a pl- it's not a matter of talent, right? Like we can we can miss on talent and, and overrate a player or just not understand kind of the behind the scenes uh, or what's going on with with certain players. But in the case of David Johnson and and Patrick Peterson, we know these guys are among the best at their position. They've, they've done it, you know, year after year, uh, especially in the case of Peterson. And, and now these coaches, not just McCoy, but, but Wilkes as well are just shaking things up. And it, it really is disheartening. Um, I, I'm, I've been a big Rosen fan and I, I would, continue to to buy him up at any kind of discount but I'm not sure this is going to be a successful year for him yeah that's how I feel too and it's really bleeding into the entire roster you mentioned the defense and and David Johnson but you know even Mr. Consistent Larry Fitzgerald he got two targets in week three and and that's just I I know at some point Larry Fitzgerald's going to hit that wall and and not be that same guy anymore I, I don't think that's the reason in this case. It, it was maddening to watch that game, especially as a Fitzgerald owner in a few places where you know he should be catching those underneath routes, particularly uh, on third down and, and when when they should be looking to the veteran, the guy that needs to catch that seven-yard out on third and six. Uh, he wasn't even getting those opportunities. And, and Matt, you mentioned David Johnson not being used properly. Ryan, you mentioned everything happening on the defensive side. I think it's a cancer throughout that that roster, and it feels like we're going to be staring at, at a very bad team for the entirety of the season, at least to me. I don't think that Sam Bradford was the only problem there, but I think he is def- was definitely part of the problem. I don't know if you guys noticed on uh, in that game on Sunday that it seemed like the defenses were, were playing – almost just to keep everybody ahead of you because they, they knew that Bradford was going to take a shot downfield. So so maybe with Rosen back there, maybe he's a little bit more of a threat down the field and it kind of opens up underneath for, for those guys like Fitz. Uh, but, it, yeah, it's, it doesn't look good, that's for sure. Indeed. Let's uh, quickly go to the last bit of news I wanted to talk with you fellas about. Evan Ingram, the injury to the tight end in New York. It doesn't seem all that severe but their latest report has been a sprained mcl and that makes uh evan ingram week to week and and probably not available in the next couple of weeks matt you've been an ingram supporter for as long as he's been in the league for sure uh you know i watched that giants offense and it's a little troubling to me it seems like with beckham on the field that's where Eli Manning's eyes go. He, he gets peppered with targets, and, and there's just not that much left over for Ingram. His only real uh, – the, the only plays he really have, has made since the beginning of the year, Ingram I'm talking about, have been in kind of junk time at the end of that Week 2 game at Dallas. 
Um, with the exception of that drive where he caught the touchdown, he's been underwhelming. And now the injury, how concerned are you with Ingram going forward? I'm a little bit concerned, I guess. He definitely has not played up to what I thought he was going to do this year. I didn't think it was really going to matter, uh, you know, him being kind of second fiddle or third fiddle in terms of target distribution. Um, but long term, I'm still I still think he's I mean, as far as like physical talent, and everything, I think he's still at the tops of his position, you know, maybe right just behind Gronk and Kelsey. I mean, Ertz, if you if you throw him in there, but I think he's he's more uh, athletically gifted than Ertz for sure. Um but uh, I just I think it comes down to this I get back to this line and, and Eli Manning. I know they played a little bit better this weekend when they got uh, Flowers out of there and put that new right tackle on. The name escapes me right now. Um, but but still, I, I think it's all kind of a product of that and maybe a little bit of uncreative play calling from from uh, the coaching staff there as well. So uh, this this MCL sprain is not good certainly short term, but I, I don't think long term it's really anything to be too concerned about. I don't think the injury is all that much to be concerned about long term, but I, I'm concerned about his usage and how they're they're pretty much ignoring becoming being creative at all in an effort to get him the football. I, I haven't seen any of that, and that it, you know his athletic uh, skill set makes you think that a great coaching staff or a creative mind that we've seen so many of these guys or at least a handful in recent years, if they could get their hands on a guy like Evan Ingram, he'd be all over the field. He'd be in motion and, and they'd be flexing him out and he'd be in the slot, move around and and really create plays to try to get him the football. And we didn't see any of that. His touchdown came on a, on a simple go route where he was left wide open so we're not seeing the creativity. Uh, we're seeing Eli Manning stare at Odell Beckham Jr. like a high school boy at prom to to the prom queen. And it's annoying. You know, I, I, I really can't stand it as an Ingram owner. Ryan, can you shed any light on this and, and what dynasty owners should think going forward with Ingram? Well, I mean, first of all, I agree with what you're saying as far as the lack of creativity, but I don't think... And I don't think this is what you're saying. That's not on Ingram. Uh, I mean, we're seeing we're seeing the same thing. They're struggling to even get the ball to Beckham. They're struggling. To, uh, Barkley's getting targets out of the backfield, but it, there's certainly no creativity there. It's just the the default and and the last option for for Eli. Maybe maybe it's a case of the closest option for Eli. Um, but as far as uh, as far as Ingram, I think the concern with his start to the season and and take the injury out of it, it we talk about counting things twice, and I think that's what we're doing because all off season we said Ingram's Ingram's in for some regression. Beckham is back, and Shepard is back, and Barkley's there now. He's he's not going to have that same type of season, but we still love him in Dynasty because he's young and he's athletic and he has this upside. And then exactly what we expected happens, and now we're dropping him. You know, we're dropping him down our ranks. So, to me, he's still in the top tier with the other names we know, um, and and basically, what we expected to happen is happening. Yeah, but the the thing is, the honeymoon has to be over at some point. And I'm not suggesting that that should be right now. Only three games into his second season. But at some point, that gets old. You can't continue to look at that potential. 
And to see it continuously happen with Odell Beckham Jr. on the field, and, and granted, it was only early last season, and, and then Beckham went down, and he didn't have Beckham when he broke out. But it's it's still worrisome, for sure. And, and I have very little faith that that coaching staff will figure it out. If, if they didn't figure it out in an, in an entire offseason that they have two great weapons to throw the football to, I, I, I don't know when they would. I'm not sure they will either. But, uh, again, we basically went into the season saying, if we get a tight end one season out of Ingram, we'll be happy. Meaning even if he's tight end eight or nine, we're, we're good with that. So I, I think maybe the issue is expecting him to score up to his dynasty ADP, which is probably a, a long shot, certainly a long shot now with this injury. I, I think it just, to me, says it's time to go buy Ingram. Like if I can get him at T tight end nine eight nine ten prices, like I'm 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 going and buying it. I'm, I, if I can get him for, I'm a contender and I think I'm going to have the one ten one twelve something like that. I, I'll, I'll give that up for Ingram right now. Yeah, I think we're all saying that you just have to continue to be patient. And what what we've seen to this point isn't the real Evan Ingram. Uh, we're just just all eager to to see that guy once again because he's so dynamic. Yeah, and I think the conversation is probably how we value Ingram. All offseason, it was how do you value Ingram versus Ertz, Kelsey, Gronk, and now it's maybe how do you value him versus Howard and Njoku, those those other two parts, the other two members of that rookie class. Um, and Ingram's had... Kittle. Right, and Kittle as well. Ingram's had that advantage pretty much from from the get-go once the regular season started and, and he uh, he broke out. But now now maybe that's more of a conversation or, or at least closer. Yeah. We're all, like I said, eager to see the real Evan Ingram and, and hopefully he gets healthy and gets back on the field. And that coaching staff figures out how to use him at least a little bit more than they are. And, and for, for all their sake in New York, get a little bit more creative with the play calling and, and the X's and O's for sure. Let's move on to a couple of rookies. As I've gone through in the first couple of weeks, I write the rookie report card, and this week I featured Josh Allen and Dallas Goddard, uh, two rookies that that both kind of had ups and downs in the offseason, for sure, and and during draft time. Uh, A lot of us, and I'll start with Goddard, a lot of us were pretty high on Dallas Goddard until he landed in Philadelphia, and... So far, as a rookie, and, and we talked about it in the offseason, he was going to have the potential to catch some balls and, and certainly be a red zone presence. He finally showed that in week three, caught seven passes for 73 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he, he showed some of that upside, Ryan. What, what are your thoughts on Dallas Goddard, and how many more of these performances, like in week three, will we see in his rookie season? Yeah, I'm pretty encouraged by uh, by his usage and just that that coincided with the return of Carson Wentz. Um, I mean, he's still clearly the second option at that position, but as as much as they're hurting, as much as the Eagles are hurting for pass catchers in general, I think we can continue to see him play a role. Uh, I, I do expect that to be inconsistent, which it, we always expect from rookie tight ends uh, or, or even tight ends in general at this point. But uh, Goddard's certainly trending up. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Ryan. Um, 
I, I think we're gonna have a couple more of these kind of performances throughout the year. Uh, certainly in the touchdown department, I, I think he's already honestly a, a better better in the in the in the end zone uh, red zone area than uh, than Ertz is at this point already. I think he just has a that kind of you know we say this he kind of has a nose for the end zone or whatever for running backs. I feel like he has those kind of ball skills in the end zone to catch those kind of short area touchdowns. Um, and I, I think I think we should keep starting him. Uh, well, maybe we haven't started him yet. <laughs> I think he's safe to start in the next week or two once Alshon comes back and once Jay, uh, if Jordan Matthews is healthy. I know that they just resigned him, so you know there's potential that he's going to lose some targets there once those guys come back and and Wentz gets more comfortable with the passing offense. But it seems like they're going to, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of making it easier easy for Wentz right now in his first week back, maybe his second and third week back as well. Um, give him those big targets to throw to when when Alshon is out. Um, so keep start starting for now. Expect up and downs, like Ryan said, um, and maybe it for the tail off once these other weapons get back. You know, I I think he's only startable because of what we've seen across the league at the tight end position. We've seen some I mean, of a touchdown. Big names That's all you need. Down. And we're looking for a touchdown. We're looking for that score. You know, word out of Philadelphia has been that those two, Dallas Goddard and Carson Wentz, have become fast friends. They're close. They're both you know from the Dakotas. They played against each other in college. Uh, so they, they, they're buddies and, and that goes a long way, especially when it's uh, quarterback and pass catcher. So I'm buying in as well. I have them in a few places. I have one place where I'm desperate for a tight end and actually considered playing him last week and, and passed. Uh, it was, it turned out to be a mistake, but it, you know, who was starting him in week three? He was playing behind Josh Perkins in week two. He, he hardly got any snaps. So nobody really saw it coming. It was nice to see as a dynasty owner for sure though. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of that from Goddard. Like you guys, I expect more of these games. It's just uh, trying to pinpoint them might be difficult. Quickly to Josh Allen. He had an excellent game in Minnesota in Week 3. 15-22 passing uh, through that touchdown. Also had 10 carries for 39 yards and two rushing scores. Matt, uh, there were a lot of people that were off the Josh Allen bandwagon all offseason. And man, if you watch that game, it, it had to be impressive to even the, the biggest naysayer out there. Uh, he looked good. He looked poised. He scrambled around when he had to, but kept his eyes down the field. Uh, he jumped over a linebacker for a first down on third and 10. It was an impressive game from a young quarterback and, and certainly encouraging for dynasty owners. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you can include me in that. I was definitely a naysayer. I had him at five out of the, the top five quarterbacks in this class. Uh, and, and, you know, there was kind of a tear break between four and five, honestly. Um, and people that, that picked him up in the third, fourth round of rookie drafts as he's fallen, they, they're probably pretty happy right now. Uh, it was definitely impressive uh, seeing him hurdle that guy, uh, Anthony Barr, I think it was, like you said, Dan, was, was uh, he's definitely more, more athletic than I thought he was from just from a couple of plays that we've seen in this game. And, uh, yeah, we, we wrote him off too soon. He's playing with a team that has literally nothing around him. Kelvin Benjamin dropped two passes in the, in the, in the, in the first quarter. Uh, uh, Zay Jones, I think, is playing better than Kelvin Benjamin and, and maybe their, their most impressive offensive weapon right now, just saying a lot. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, he just has nothing to work with. He doesn't even have Shady McCoy right now. He's, got, he's working with, what is it, Jacob, is it his first name, Jacob Kroom at tight end? Jason Kroom. Tennessee That's Volunteer. 
Yeah, uh, it's just like it's impressive what he was able to do against that Minnesota defense. I mean, I don't. It, it kind of felt like Minnesota was overlooking them. They were just like, whatever. It's the Bills. We're gonna walk in there and just steamroll them. And and the exact opposite happened. The offense was bad, and, and the defense was 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 giving it up to Buffalo early on. Was, I think they were up seventeen nothing before we even could even blink it. Uh, so. Uh, good job, Josh Allen. I'm looking forward to see what you're you're doing uh, in the future, and I'm happy to admit I was wrong on him. Thanks Absolutely, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. And that big arm showed up, and he was he was pretty accurate. All those naysayers, as we call them, that's all they harped on Ryan. He he can't the completion percentage and no accuracy. Man, he looked good on Sunday. He delivered the ball on time, and it was on point with the exception of one throw. There were even a couple of drops that were really bad that his, his line could have looked even nicer, to be honest. Ryan, I, like like me, I know you were one of the guys that were just fine picking him in the second round in Superflex leagues and, and investing in him when cheap in rookie auctions. you you got to be encouraged with what you saw. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you started this uh, rookie discussion by saying these guys had ups and downs. I don't think that's... I don't think that's even necessarily accurate when it comes to Allen, other than uh, obviously being a first-round draft pick, which is is a great sign for him. As far as his dynasty value, his the expectations from dynasty players and and the fantasy community in general, it it was all downs, right? Like almost nobody had faith in this guy. So that, that makes it even sweeter that, uh, he did have this, this big game. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to, to crown him by any means. I mean, even we just, we had this discussion on another podcast to me, I would still rank him fifth out of the five rookies. Um, I mean, I still want the other four guys over him in Dynasty, but uh, just for a guy who it seemed like everybody was, I don't want to say rooting against, but everybody was doubting, it's great to see a guy like that uh, succeed, uh, even if it is just for one game. I, I think the bigger takeaway isn't that he's still fifth, because most of us would probably agree with he, that, that he's fifth among the five rookies. But he's leapfrogged a lot of the veterans that that we do regular rankings of now. Uh, and maybe I shouldn't say a lot, but at least those those guys at the end of the top 32 that are, you know, quote unquote, starting quarterbacks that we're not that excited about owning. You'd much rather have the young guy now, especially since he's showed this. We're going to start a new segment. Thought I'd try something new this week on the podcast. Uh, we'll see if it sticks, if people like it. We're going to do a hot hot take or not. It's a di- dynasty-related statement from players at each position, and you guys can tell me if it's a hot take or if it's not going to happen. We'll go position by position, cover a couple of things, and, and you know this idea came to mind because I was watching football games over the weekend and uh, scrolling through Twitter, which I usually stay away from, to be totally honest, during games. And I thought there was a lot of people trying to trying to make these hot takes, and we'll see if any of them uh, any of them are really worthy. We're going to start at quarterback and start with Baker Mayfield. So Ryan, we'll start with you. Is this a hot take? Baker Mayfield will be a weekly start in Superflex league leagues by week five. Um, 
I think that, uh, gosh, I'm not sure how to answer, Dan. I, your game has confused me. I think that's, uh, I don't think it's a hot take, meaning I think it's re- reasonable. I think it probably will happen because I, I think, you know, if you think Superflex leagues, you're talking 24 quarterbacks. So, yeah, I think he's going to be, uh, on average, a top 24 quarterback uh, moving forward. So that that seems pretty reasonable to me. Does that make it a hot take? I don't know. Damn. No, it doesn't yeah. really. I was trying <laughs> to come up with a, maybe a better name for it. <laughs> it was like agree or disagree is really the thing. You know, do you agree with the take? I guess. Well, mo- most hot takes, right? And that's that's a, you're, by definition. Yeah, you're you're right though. That's what happens this time of year. We want to outdo each other with with the, this flag planning and things like that. So. To me, that seems very possible, Matt. Yeah, I, I think I'm starting him this week. If I, I mean, I mean, we're at the first week of our bye, week four. Cam Newton's off. Maybe he's my quarterback three. I mean, I, I, in a super flex league, I see no reason why I'm not ready to fire him up if I don't have, you know, two better options in front of him. You know, to be honest with you, I, I chose that one to lead off because it's Baker Mayfield, and you can't go through what happened last Thursday night, <laughs> host a podcast, and not say Baker Mayfield's name. So I, I had to work him into the podcast somewhere. It's certainly not a hot take, but I had to start with something. Next one at quarterback, Matt. Ryan Fitzpatrick will be the starting quarterback on championship-winning teams in Dynasty this season. I think it's very possible that he was – a starter for teams early in the season, but I'm still not convinced he's going to be the starter all season long in 2018. I, just, I, I when we we already start saw the start of the Ryan Fitzpatrick game that we all know where he he just uh, it kind of completely implodes. I mean, I think you can really trace back the loss last night uh, uh, to Ryan Fitzpatrick and those early mistakes. Uh, uh, there was one where he threw the ball like six feet over Mike Evans' head, which means it, Mike Evans is, what, 6'5", so that ball was really high. <laughs> uh, that interception was, was very costly for them. So I, I just I, I can't. I can't get on board with thinking that he's going to be the starter for the entire season. So if we're talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick and week 16 is going to be on a championship winning team. No, I'm not. I'm going to say no to that one. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I'm, I don't think it's going to happen this week, certainly, but I think Jameis is going to get back on the field. And uh, you know, when it comes down to it, I think Winston is, is the more talented quarterback they've gotten off to uh a great start and have have to obviously view themselves as playoff contenders uh, early in the season. And, and when that's the story, I think you want to get your most talented players on the field. So I'm going to say this is not going to happen. I'm going to throw a third quarterback one in here, Ryan, just because that was the conversation all weekend. It seemed with all the big performances by quarterbacks, Matt Ryan in his 26 of 35 for 374 yards and five touchdowns. Matt Ryan is back to his MVP form and should be a trusted quarterback one going forward. I kind of feel a little uh, a little wishy-washy on this one. I think he's fine as a quarterback one, uh, but I also think there's 15 or 16 guys that are quarterback ones at this point, if we're talking fantasy. Uh, but I don't think he's back to his MVP form. No, I'm, I'm not ready to, uh, to agree with that one. Yeah. I don't know if I agree either. And I think the word that got me was trusted. I don't know if I trust it to happen week in and week out. 
Guys like Drew Brees, you're just sticking him in your lineup. He's trusted. Matt Ryan, you still have that queasy feeling. Do you too, Matt? A little bit, but I mean, <laughs> like we talked about before, in a one quarterback league, who cares? In a super flex league, I'm probably almost certainly starting him. So I, I'm I'm fine with him. I, I think you are going to have to roll with the punches. They're going to be the down weeks, but he has these big weeks. He's not going to play the Saints every week, you know, but he's going to have these big weeks, especially with Calvin Ridley coming on. Uh, we didn't really talk about him too much, Stan, but uh, I mean that he's just another exciting weapon for him to have. Uh, Hooper's had a couple of nice plays. Um, it's again, I think it comes back to the coordinator and, and if he's going to be creative enough and, and what we've seen with some, some Sarkeesian so far, you know, one nice game and two kind of mad games for, for the entire offense really. So, uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with them as a, as a starter if I have to, but yeah, like Ryan is, it's not, <laughs> it doesn't feel great if he is your, 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 your really your only quarterback on a, on a dynasty team. Let's go to running back fellas. The first one, Alvin Kamara has only one more game until Mark Ingram returns, but he will not be affected when the veteran comes back, man. I mean, I think he's going to be affected a little bit. He had, what was it, 31 touches this last weekend. I don't think he's going to see that with Ingram back in there, which is probably, honestly, a good thing for Kamara. Um, You know, he's incredible as a pass catcher, and he's fine as a running back, but I think Ingram offers a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit more juice in terms of, like, the, the dirty running. Uh, between the tackles that that Kamara, um, you know, he can do it, but I, I think maybe Ingram still has a little bit better on, a little bit more uh, juice on him there, in that aspect of the game. So, um, yeah, I think he's definitely going to be effective. So I guess I disagree with this statement. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of on the fence on this one because we've seen that Kamara can be so effective with so few touches, and now he's getting bombarded with touches, and he's been super effective. I, I know he didn't score this past week on those 31 touches. But when a bad game is a, is 180 some yards and, and 15 catches, you're, you're pretty happy with it as a fantasy owner, Ryan. What's your thoughts on Kamara and, and what Ingram's going to do to him going forward? I I actually don't think he'll be too affected uh, by the return of of Ingram because he's gotten so so little of his production from the um, from the running game or or as a running back. Um, he's got. Uh, he's got 95 fantasy points on the season, but he's only 25th in the league in rushing. 69% of his fantasy points have come as a receiver. So 30 receptions, uh, almost 290 yards and a touchdown as a receiver. He's probably going to lose a little bit of volume just uh, on the basis of the Saints running more when they have Ingram versus uh you know, Gillisley and, and these other guys that they haven't even really used. But I think that's about it. I don't I don't think his production will dip much. I don't either. Let's move to the other end of the spectrum. Thirty-three year old Adrian Peterson, Ryan, is an excellent trade target for contenders that are in need of a running back too. Yeah, this this one's a tough one for me. I I, I don't know about excellent. He he feels <laughs> He feels more like okay, right? He feels like, I guess if if I'm desperate, and if and well, the as, price is going to be extremely low for production. Is it though? I, I I got an offer today for to try. Someone wanted to sell him to me for a first. I mean, oh man, he that guy's dreaming. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just don't think he is is necessarily cheap right now. To me, a, a second in general has to be the price point, and yeah. uh, if you're 
if you're in need of a running back and then that, then that's probably a fair price to pay, but you also have to understand that this could, we could be seeing the last year of Adrian Peterson, which it feels like we've been saying that for a couple of years. Yeah. But I think if you're a true contender and that's the hole you need to fill that that's an okay price to pay. It doesn't make it excellent. He's not an excellent trade cart target, but like you said, it's okay. It's good enough. You know, if you really need to fill the spot and you can't aim any higher with that second round pick, which most likely you can't, you can't get that kind of production for a second round pick for sure. And maybe he goes down next week, but that's true of anybody, right? I think right now, going back to, to the previous conversation, I would try to take that second round pick and get Mark Ingram. Interesting. Matt, what are your thoughts? I was going to say that this, again, I have issue with the word excellent, <laughs> like Ryan, uh, but, I, but I think that the time to make this move is like November, right? Like, you know that you're going to the playoffs. You, you know you need, either need a, a solid running back to or, or a death piece there. And you know that he's going to still be presumably healthy, at least at that point, if you're looking to trade for him. Because like you just said, he could go down tomorrow. I know that's true of any running back for sure. But for a guy who probably just has this year left, maybe maybe one more as a, in, a, in a committee like this, I think he landed in like the perfect situation. Maybe we have another uh, a big name running back go down in preseason next year, and here comes Adrian Peterson again. But I think the, the most likely thing that's going to happen is that this is his, his swan song right so i want to make sure if i'm buying him he's going to be there for the games that i need him so i, I I'll, I'll trade for him for a, for a second if i if i really need it but it's going to be at the end of the season yeah the reason i think that's good advice matt the reason i emphasize the word excellent because is because that's one that i did see on twitter and somebody called him an <laughs> excellent trade target and i thought to myself a lot like what you guys are talking about he's a good one he's fine as a trade target i i don't know really about excellent and and ryan what you said about mark ingram that that's excellent advice as well uh certainly excellent advice not just just okay advice Hmm. uh let's go to wide receiver fellas um we're gonna start with (laughs) kelvin ridley i think you guys have heard of him caught seven passes for 143 yards and all three touchdowns kelvin ridley matt is a must start going forward I'm not going to call him a mustard. Oh, my goodness. What does he have to do, Matt? <laughs> certainly as a bye week or injury fill, like he's certainly in, in, the, in, the, in the mix for it. But he's in the mix with like three dozen other receivers. I mean, the passing numbers are just ridiculous this year. So I think he's right in that bunch. He's in a good offense. So uh, I'm not going to call him a must-start, but he's certainly startable. going In 12-team leagues, most of us play in pretty deep leagues, 12-team leagues, where we're starting 10 players, he is a must-start. You cannot not have him in your lineup. Sure. Okay, if I'm starting 10, maybe. But if, but I think most leagues are 8 or 9 at this point. I mean, I, maybe not the leagues we're in. I think I only have a few that are still at 9. Uh, but I think in that case where, let's say, you're only starting three receivers and a flex, and one flex, I don't think he's necessarily a must-start in a, in a start three with one flex league. Ryan, tell this guy how, <laughs> what's what because that that's awful um yeah i think i agree with matt uh gosh I mean, you guys I'm, get me two weeks in a row on ridley no, last week he wasn't worth no, a I first like and second if that's what you had to pay he catches seven for 143 and three touchdowns and looks good doing it and you guys are still all over me for ridley I, when he catches two this week it's over i'm gonna be on your backs about it 
I think you're just a little sensitive about this. Maybe, maybe I am. <laughs> Got hammered last week by you guys. Go ahead, Ryan. No, I was I was just gonna say I pretty much totally echo Matt's thoughts. Uh, I'm 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 fine if I have to start him uh, going forward based on what we've seen. Not just not just this huge performance last Sunday, but uh, even his increased usage, increased snap count, uh, and his his touchdown in week two. Um, that performance made Sunday feel like less of a, of of a fluke. Um, and and more of a trend so i i like seeing that i'm okay starting him but i don't know my my rosters are pretty good dan i don't i don't have to start <laughs> calvin ridley you, like you, you would do. have to be really deep especially in the leagues you play in ryan you have to be extremely deep are are you are you so deep that he can't be your fifth receiver in your starting lineup when everybody's healthy uh yeah that's that's a good that's about where he is i i actually have i have one share of calvin ridley and that's probably just thanks to you dan uh but he's probably (laughs) probably my wide receiver five if everybody's healthy Hmm. man he's gonna be in all of my lineups every league that i have him in i'm gonna have a hard time keeping him out of my lineup If, if anybody out there that watched it watch it watch him run his routes he is wide open for a reason damn good route runner and I'm looking forward to watching him play. I'm looking forward to seeing the Falcons play just because of Kelvin Ridley. He is so much more explosive out of breaks than I feel like I ever saw mm-hmm. on film at at, uh, at Alabama. Like like he can he can change direction almost without losing any speed. It seems like, um, and the, those cuts on on his route running are just. Uh, you're, you're right, Dan. You were right on this one. I, I wasn't. I, I don't. I don't want to say I was a hater because I definitely liked him. He was like my. I think it was the wide receiver three entering the year in the, in the class. Um, but you definitely nailed this one. Oh, thank you. I, I feel a little better now. <laughs> I had to make you feel a little bit better because you seemed like you were getting a little bit upset. A little hot under the collar, man. I, I can't wait <laughs> till next week's episode. Uh, stay tuned for that. Let's move on to Amari Dan, Cooper. Dan. Oh great, Dan! One, one more, one more hot okay. take from you. More touchdowns, rest of the season. Him or Julio? Oh, <laughs> Ridley has more touchdowns in the last two games than Julio does yeah. in the last nineteen. So give yeah, me Cal. I'll take the okay. rookie. Let's go to Amari Cooper. <laughs> let's not. Can't wait to hear. Yeah, let's what let's, you have let's to say throw the heat on Ryan a little bit here because I'm starting Calvin Ridley over Amari Cooper next week. Amari Cooper now has two underwhelming games. You cannot trust him to be more than a wide receiver three or flex play going forward, Ryan. Uh, that That is true. Um, so, I mean, obviously I've been a, a big Cooper fan and, and a, a guy that I have on a lot of my rosters. I have... Uh, encouraged other people to go out and buy. And, and I would still do that because I still believe in the talent, but um, ranking him as this time last year, he was a top five dynasty wide receiver, right? Not, not just in rankings, but in ADP as well. And now he's sitting uh, probably just outside the top 10 for most people. But I, I think we have to even consider moving him down from that ranking because when you get, a month into the season and you've got a guy that you can't start that, that has to affect his value. He had three wide receiver one games last year. Uh, and, and strangely enough, it was the first week of the season, the last week of the season. And, uh, the, 
the middle week. I don't know, depending on their buy, it was week week eight or nine. I'm not sure, but uh, he spread those out. So Dan, just like you'll be starting Calvin Ridley uh, next week, we were all starting Amari Cooper at the wrong times last year. And this year again, I'm not starting him pretty much ever if I can avoid it until I, I see something different in Oakland. Yeah, and what's so frustrating as a Cooper owner is that, that you watch Jordy Nelson put up a six for 173 and a score and and look pretty good doing it, and and Jordy's 33. And, yeah, he's a good route runner and all that stuff, and, and maybe defenses are overlooking Jordy in favor of, of double covering or or putting an emphasis on stopping Cooper. But but that was rough watching that, Matt. What are your thoughts on Cooper going forward? I think we're putting a little bit too much negativity on him for this week. I mean, he did play against Xavier Howard, who had made some incredible plays, maybe, maybe one of the best cornerbacks in the league right now. Um, but that said, I think it's also still a consistency issue with Cooper. I mean, we had, we saw the dominant perform in two weeks ago and week two with, uh, what was it? 10 for one sixteen, something like that this week. He, it, it, there was a play, I think it was in the third quarter where, where Carr looked like he wanted to hit him on a corner around the end zone, but he couldn't get separation again, maybe because of Xavier Howard is so good. But then there was another one where he had a, a concentration drop, you know, it's just, it's just really hard to trust him right now. Uh, um, there are a f- few lineups where I'm probably going to have to still throw them in and as like a flex play, uh, but it definitely doesn't feel good because the, the floor is just so small with him. You know, we, we've seen this this two, three, four point floor now, um, and uh, that's not something you want out of, out of a guy you've invested a top two startup pick in. Absolutely. Top, and it's top two rounds. Right. It, it seems like that's an excuse that the Cooper fan club goes to immediately. Well, he was playing Howard. Oh, well, in week one, it was against Tlaib and Peters. and But in week two, he did it. You know, it, it that story's getting old to me. Uh, it's a narrative yeah. that I don't want to hear anymore. And, and, you know, I've been a supporter of Cooper in the past as well. And I have him on teams. I've invested a lot into him. And it, it's just frustrating as a Cooper owner to, to not even be able to put him in your lineup. And you know he's going to do what he did last year. Suddenly have that big game and then return back to the two for 16 and and disappoint everybody but we'll see how that plays out for the rest of the season let's go on to tight end guys matt we'll start with you oj howard has averaged 74 yards per game and 13 fantasy points per game through three weeks he's obviously trustworthy to put in your lineup going forward as a tight end one i mean he has to be just because of the state of the position it's just it's disgusting we've seen uh hunter henry go down we saw uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo go down, so Kittle's a question mark. We saw Greg Olson go down. I mean, there's just there's just no one there at the top. So I think I think you have to, uh, uh, you know, maybe once we go back to Winston, Brait becomes a thing again because it kind of seems like Winston is the guy who really likes Brait. Uh, Pitzpatrick tried to get him to to Brait a, a couple of times uh, last night and, and wasn't really successful doing so. So I, I think for now, at least as long as Fitzpatrick is starting, and probably even after that, you you have to put him in your lineup if he's your, the best option you have on your roster. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, Howard Howard's tied in four now uh, through three weeks, and Gronk is behind him. You probably would expect those to those positions, those ranks to flip flop at some point. But looking at the other guys that are below Howard, 
you know, Jesse James, Eric Ebron, Will Disley, Austin Hooper. Those guys are all tight end ones right now. And if those guys are there, then, then obviously Howard belongs. Um, yeah. Like, like Matt said, there's just not that many options. Right are you guys now. excited? Ryan, are you excited about putting OJ Howard in your lineup now though? No, no, but I, I'm, Again, I'm not excited about putting very many tight ends in, in in my lineup right now. Yeah, the word obviously, that he's obviously trustworthy. I thought that had the potential to be that word that was, oh boy, just like excellent trade target with Adrian Peterson. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's <laughs> right. super obvious, but I, I see your guys' point that we have to because it's the position that we're in at the position. I think the biggest concern with Howard is just volume. I mean, and again, that's a that's a an issue with most tight ends, like we were just talking about. Um, but you know, because there's just there's three great wide receivers in that lineup right now, so he's probably going to be fourth in the pecking order with with uh, Fitzpatrick. But it hasn't mattered so far because every time he catches the ball, he's done done wonders with it. He scores a touchdown or a long run or whatever it is. So even if he's only getting five targets a week, it just seems like the upside there over a bunch of these other options, like Ryan was talking about, uh, is is too enticing to to leave out. We only have a few minutes left in the show, guys, so let's skip forward to a couple of strategy statements, and you guys can tell me if you agree or disagree. Matt, we'll start with you. My team is 0-3, and I figured I was a fringe playoff team coming into the season. I'm selling my veterans now before they get hurt, and I can get nothing for them. Uh, it really depends on roster construction. I know that's a cop out uh, a little bit, but if I have to take this as a blanket statement, I'm going to say no, because I've had plenty of 0-3 teams still make the playoffs. Uh, and, and we, we've seen, we see six seeds win championships all the time. So I, I don't think yet, I think 0-4 is a little bit more, uh, more difficult. And then certainly by 0-5, I'm certainly starting to look to sell the really older guys. But I think a, a big part of this is that if your team is good, like as a fringe team like that, and you have these guys that are 27, 28, maybe even 29, depending on, on the, the, the quality of the player. Like, you don't just need to sell those. Remember, this is, this is still dynasty, and they're still going to come back and play well for you again next year. So uh, it, it's really team-dependent. If you really think you have zero shot at this point, then sell off those older guys like Fitzgerald and, and guys like that for sure. But the, these, these medium-age guys that are in, like, the 26 to 28 range, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just going to move just because I'm not going to make the playoffs this year. When I read that, the name that popped into my head instantly is Emmanuel Sanders. Having, no having an excellent start to the season and obviously contributing. And if, if you're truly a fringe team, I don't know. Sanders was probably your wide receiver three if you're a fringe playoff team. So if you have talent on the team, that's the kind of player I'd have a hard time selling because I'm afraid of an injury or something like that. Ryan, what are your thoughts? Well, I think you have to take a couple of things into consideration. Uh, I, I guess I would say we don't have quite enough information. I know a lot of uh, a lot of leagues now. I know all of my leagues have a playoff spot uh, reserved for the top scorer that maybe has um, a, a poor record. Their their record kept them out of the playoff hunt, but they were able to consistently put up points. So I think even if you're zero and three, you could you could still be scoring pretty well. So maybe you're the third or fourth highest scoring team in your league, but still somehow 0-3. That would affect my decision. 
and and then just knowing the history of your league how many wins does it typically take to get into the playoffs um thinking about the the five and six seeds in in my leagues if you have uh if you have five losses six losses you're probably not making it so if i think about it that way that i can only lose three more games the rest of the season that's probably pushing me to sell and and i would sell a guy like sanders there's already been talk uh, most of that coming before the season, that this could be his last season in Denver, that they would look to move on. Uh, I, I don't know if, uh, obviously don't know if that will play out that way after his hot start, but that unknown, his age, he's already over 30. He would definitely be a guy I would be selling. I'd probably lean towards Matt's side. I'm at least a week away from that. I, I want to see what happens in week four, probably. If I go to 0-4, I might be more willing to make the move. Like you say, if six losses means you're out, you're getting pretty close to six losses, especially after this week, for sure. One last one for you guys, Ryan. We'll start with you. I have three superstars and what seems like no depth, and I'm forced to start what should be bench players every week. I have to find a two for one deal to get more depth. Uh, no, <laughs> definite, definite no here. Um, I'm I'm working the waiver wire. I'm selling my second and third round picks for, uh, for guys I can start, but no, I don't, I don't like, I want to be on the other side of those, uh, two for one type deals. Yeah, I, I agree. No, I don't really have anything more to say. I think almost always you take the side with the, the better player in the deal. I mean, there are some instances I think for sure where you might want to make that kind of move. If, if, if you like both of the players on, on the, on the, on the two side, um, but in general, I'm not looking to make two-for-one deals where I'm getting the two side of that deal. So with that, we'll wrap up this week's episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. For my partners in crime, Matt Price and Ryan McDowell and Dan Myler. thanks for listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast. We'll catch you again next week. I think you're just a little sensitive about this, Dan.